Hello and welcome to The Jerick Show. Yes, we are back. I've been transformed back from the rock that I was last week into a living, breathing, talking human being, much to Eric's um, dismay. But yes, I'm Javad Malik. Alongside me, as always, is the handsome, the lovable, the charming, the huggable Eric Crone. How are you doing, Eric? I'm doing pretty good, but that was quite the intro. So I'm, I'm waiting for the shoe to drop here. <laughs> we all are we all are <laughs> yeah um, well welcome back javad it, it was great uh hopefully your input will be um better than that of the rock which replaced you last week but i i have a feeling it will be so uh uh what do we got uh what do we got to talk about today what have we got to talk about today i think we've got some talks about intel going on today you you've you found this story so why don't you talk us through it uh, let me put it up there it is zdnet yeah, I, I thought this was pretty interesting. Um, you know, Intel, uh, they, they had, they're calling it a breach of 20 gigs of data. But here's what's important to understand. Um, this was basically, this wasn't like they were hacked. It's not like somebody got into the system and pulled it out. It looks like it's an abuse of an actual usable or, or um, uh, acceptable use type of portal, right? Where they share information with vendors. They share information with um, other folks. And so what happened is somebody who probably had legitimate access to this downloaded about 20 gigs worth of files and then dumped it out to a, uh, a researcher who then posted it um, out in the public. Well, this uh, this kind of drives back home to some of my experience that I have uh, back in the day. I used to work at a place, uh, we did uh, manufacturing. Right. So uh, we, we built aerospace sorts of things. And as a vendor, we actually had to deal a lot with intellectual property for other people. We're building these components and these parts. This is somebody else's research. And uh, they put time and effort, sometimes thousands or thousands of dollars or even more um, into building these things, into building the intellectual property, doing the research and development piece. And now if a competitor or let's say uh, a nation state jumps out and grabs this information, they can now build these things for far less than you have invested in it and undercut you. Uh, and we see this at lots of different levels. As a matter of fact, uh, I know just coming to mind here, there was a, a Chinese version of, I think it's the F-22, that they basically ripped off our stuff and built this thing for next to nothing compared to what we had to put into it. So uh, what are your thoughts on that, Javad? I, I think, yeah, I think it opens up a whole whole can of worms. And I suppose if, if we take it back, if we if we take the non-American approach and don't dramatize it so much as you like to do, if we just peel it back to the uh, original, I suppose, underlying issue is you share documents with trusted partners, employees and everything. Um, they might take the, the information and you know, this is why we set up like in MA situations, it's really quite sensitive. So that's why dedicated war rooms are set up with a lot of logging and, you know, you vet who, who has access to it and uh, it contains a lot of sensitive information. So that's fine for, for a war room type scenario, but this is like sharing stuff with, with trusted partners. And there's no, no, no real amount of vetting you can do because you just don't know what, what someone's going to do with that information. So, uh, I suppose there are some technical controls. You, you can start putting in some DLP type type controls, some classification markings on the on the documentation. Uh, so, so the technology is there. So, so there is that. But there's also the fact that some people are just opportunistic or they're just curious. They see, hey, there's 
50 gigs of data here, 10 gigs of data, whatever it is. Let's just download it. Uh, it it's a bit like people that, uh, when torrents were really popular uh, back in the day, um, or, or uTorrent and all these apps and Napster when they came out, people were downloading like hundreds and thousands of uh, songs and movies. They might never have listened or watched them ever, but the fact that it was available, oh, let's just download it. Um, so, so I think there's there's an element of that as well. So putting in place some technical controls, but also having some some uh, architecture choice built in that actually prevents people from doing it is kind of a good idea as well. So you create that kind of culture where it's like, hey, why are you doing this? Why do you actually need it? And uh, you know, keeping things to a minimum. Well, and you're going to have to accept some risk with this. And I got to say, I mean, Intel, uh, it's not their fault. You know, they didn't do anything wrong here. And what I really like about this is when you read the story, uh, they were very quickly able to pull it back to that portal and say, this is the source of these documents because some of them were marked as such. And it made me think of, you know, technical controls where um, you might even be able to go on, on very... Um, sensitive sort of things, you might even go to the point that as the document is being downloaded or something like that, you can tag it to where you could later come back and see exactly who and when did it. And I have no doubt they're going to be looking at the logs here. 20 gigs of data is, is a decent amount of data, especially in text and, you know, PDFs. So I'm sure they're going to be able to look back at this and go, hey, there was an excessive amount of downloads in this area, right? It's kind of like in an organization, if you've ever dealt with uh, salespeople, um, one of the big things you have on the way out the door is sometimes they'll try to grab the customer list. And I've seen this happen myself. And so you end up looking at, hey, we got a big query for a lot of downloaded data that's abnormal here. We're going to stop that. We're going to disallow that for this, you know, for this time because that's unusual. Those sorts of things um, can be very powerful in trying to do this. But I got to give Intel kudos, man. They they were right away. This story broke and boom, they're like, then this is where it came from and, and, and. So they belayed any rumors that it could be a hack and that, you know, all of this stuff is going out that way. And, and kudos to them for for being able to handle that very quickly. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, you mentioned salespeople taking customer lists and uh, a, a former company I used to work for, I've, yeah, not my most recent one, but um, what they done is cleverly, they uh, added some honey accounts into their Salesforce. So they were fake accounts. They weren't real customers. They looked like real customers and they had a separate email account set up for it, which didn't tie it back to the company. And one point a salesperson left and they did take uh, the entire sales list and they went through blast emailing them saying, hey, this, that, the other. So as soon as they got an email come through on that email address saying, we understand you're a customer or, you know, you might be in the market, um, that immediately triggered their, well, who's done it? And then they, lo and behold, it was a salesperson who recently left and they went to work for that company. And in that case, they were actually successfully able to press legal charges against him. Excellent. So, uh, so, so even simple things like adding like honey tokens or watermarking things can, can go a long way. Yep, absolutely. Now, there's another place where this kind of happens here. And Javad, I think you have a story that's related to this sort of information loss uh, and, and, you know, what what it can do. So why don't you tell us a little bit about this? Yes, uh, with with us in the UK having uh, Mr. Beans in charge of the government, uh, <laughs> it's no, no surprise to see things uh, leaking and data going walkie. So, um, yeah, there, there's been some uh, some information leaked. 
some documentation. There's still investigations going on. So there's a lot of we can neither confirm nor deny stuff. But um, what, what's really interesting is that, um, you know, it basically boils down to there was a spear phishing attack and bad guys got hold of credentials and they were able to access emails. And it, within the emails, there are lots of uh, sensitive documentation uh, and, and information. So um, that's what happened. Um, oh, you can see, you know, Fox's email account hacked was so-called so using, uh, can you see that spear phishing message? which uh, tricks the target into handing over their password and login details. And, you know, we, we saw this happen in Twitter uh, not too long ago where it was a social engineering attack. They found out pretending to be an employee and they managed to get credentials. So, you know, it, it's not to say this is like easy to mitigate or, you know, no one for I think everyone or most people at some point in time, they've either fallen for one or they've been very, very close to falling for, for such, a, such a scam. So, so it's not that it's uh, the the issue, um, but there are lots of things we can do to put in place, um, you know, simple things like, you know, multi-factor authentication can go a long way in preventing at least a lot of your casual uh, phishing attempts, uh, having, you know, separation controls, or even, even having that culture where, like, don't use standard non-encrypted email for sensitive communications, put in place better tools, in, uh, you know, or other communication mechanisms. But having said that, the UK uh, government, a lot of them were had their own WhatsApp groups <laughs> a, a while ago, and that came to light that they were they were discussing inf government information on that. Uh, so so I think it, it's it's like obviously there's the social engineering element for for um, uh, for the attack purposes, but there's also a lack of appropriate use of tools or you know, giving away too much information. Um, I, I think even with a Twitter hack, people suddenly got the realization, oh, what if all of our DMs are exposed? What if this? And there was a lot of people really worried, like politicians or celebrities and what have you. And then like, well, you know, Twitter is not the place to be making like deals. It's not the place to be exchanging contracts or be discussing sensitive information. Um, you know, you use better tools for that kind of stuff. Or, or well, firms in New York that uh, obviously won't lose a bunch of data, right? That, that's yeah. what you should use for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that, that's, a, you know, that's a really good point. I mean, where do you do your business? Now, I, I came out of the uh, Department of Defense a while back. Um, you know, I was a contractor for the U.S. Army for like 10 years. And one of the great things we had going there was actually the, uh, the fact that we used digitally signed and encrypted messages within the organization. And it, it made it very easy to see if somebody wants to, to try to, you know, bypass something and it's not digitally signed, you're, auto, you're automatically suspect. You're just like, yeah, no, not believing anything in this. Uh, and it did give us the opportunity to encrypt. And frankly, this was all stuff built into Microsoft. You know, we used uh, Active Directory as a back end and their smart cards um, and it worked really, really well. These tools are actually out there to do that. It's just something that not a lot of people think to deploy. And, and in many cases, it's not worth the effort, I suppose. Um, it is interesting to see that being a credential fish. And, you know, I'm picturing the usual, hey, go over here to log in to read this message and the username, password. And you're right, MFA helps a lot. Um, but there are ways around that, as we as we all know. But you're right, it's casual, the casual stuff, right? Um I do think it's interesting too, and I want to throw this out there. This is totally a rabbit hole, but the Twitter thing, right? So the kid uh, ended up on trial here uh, in Tampa, which is about where I were. And, and during that uh, hearing, 
with the judge, they had the Zoom meeting not password protected and allowed other people to share their screens. So they're now having hearing for a hacker and they're allowing that to happen, right? Yeah, what do you think is going to happen to this, right? So there was all kinds of uh, adult-oriented stuff going on that started popping up because people would share it on their screens and they were dropping like uh, music and all kinds of just distracting stuff. And I saw the judge was like, oh, I didn't want to have to do this, but I guess we're going to have to password protect this. Why would you not password protect a hearing for people, right? I, I just, it blows my mind to see that, or at the very least, limit the ability for other people to be able to pop on cameras and stuff like that just by default, right? So, uh, you know, sorry to go down that little rabbit hole, but I yeah, just no, blew no. my mind to see no. that. And it, it just shakes my head, you know, I'm shaking my head going, wow. Yeah, that, that's nope. so funny. It reminds me of the A-Team series. You know, do you, re you, you remember that growing up? There oh, were yeah, 10,000 shots fired and nothing hit. Yeah, yeah. Right? But, <laughs> but the best thing about it is that they were highly, highly trained commandos and what have you. And whenever the bad guys caught them, they'd lock them in a facility that was had loads of, like, spare parts lying around which they could construct yeah. and build a tank out of or something. Yeah. <laughs> Blow torches, scrap metal, <laughs> grinders. <laughs> and that's, that's the same thing over here. I mean, it's bizarre because if if you remember in um, our colleague Kevin Mitnick's book, um, where where he talks about when he got arrested, and in court a lot of the uh, the staff had their name badges turned the other way around because they didn't want him seeing their name because they they were so scared that he's going to do something to them and he's going to whistle some launch codes and they're going to drop nukes on their house and what have you. So, so there was, and both of these are such extremes. It's like on one hand you got excessive paranoia, which isn't the right way, but you know you can't just be so lax with these things. And I've seen so many people again like blaming Zoom for this and what have you. And it's not a Zoom issue. It's it's not setting it up correctly. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, you know you you can't stop that. I mean, if if you allow anything to be open and you know not password protected, then you know you really can't blame people for taking advantage of that. No, absolutely not. And you would think, I mean, with the, the COVID thing going on, we would have all learned some lessons about Zoom by now. Um, but apparently nobody thought this through on that one. And uh, so it, it was just, it was kind of interesting. And it was one of those things. I just shook my head when I saw it. I was like, it, no, yeah. How could you have not seen this coming, right? Not not one of those, oh, you never could have seen this coming. But how could you have not seen this coming? Um, yeah. So I guess it's just... You know, we're in that different mindset or whatever. But hey, maybe we should consult for them in the future, right? Big yeah. money in consulting, I hear. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so on that note, I think uh, we can wrap up there uh, to, to all of our, our, our people who are back following us. Thank you for so joining us. And I love it when a plan comes together. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, I love those guys. <laughs> it's been too long. Brings back some memories. Oh, yeah. Looks like another day at work. <laughs> <laughs>